Good morning, new community. This is Mary Weigel. I'm so glad you're joining us for worship this morning. My husband Gary and I moved to Spokane from Nevada three years ago and have been attending new community about two and a half years. We've also been involved in two wonderfully welcoming small groups. We've both grown tremendously in our faith thanks to the openness and encouragement of asking questions in this community. May you meet God this morning, wherever you are in your faith journey. Good morning, Newcom. This is Britt Conley. This past year, six of us KidsCom leaders had the opportunity to share life and community with our third, fourth, and fifth graders. We met monthly with each other um, and shared life a lot of laughs and learned about the character of Jesus. Here are some words from our leaders for our fifth graders who are moving on to youth this year. Hey guys, it's Ryan Minerly, uh, one of the leaders from the third to fifth grade boys group from this past year. And I just wanted to share that it was such a joy hanging out with that group of dudes this past year. They are uh, curious and fun and goofy, and there are some big personalities uh, in our fifth grade group that's moving on up to youth group uh, this next year. So we're super sad to see them go. We'll miss hanging out with them in uh, the kids group, uh, but very excited for what's next for them and uh, just praying that they keep being curious kids and goofy kids and letting their personality shine and just bringing smiles to the faces of everybody around them. And uh, we are very grateful, all of us were, for uh, just the laughs and some of the time we got to share with those kids this year. Hey, what's up, Miles, Kellen, Theron, and Berg? Hey, this is Jeff from Kids Group. I had a ton of fun hanging out with you guys last year, and I am stoked for you as you go into sixth grade. I think you guys are hands down some of the coolest dudes I know, and I hope that sixth grade treats you guys awesome. Hey guys, it's Kyle. Congrats on finishing fifth grade. You're off to middle school and we are so excited for you. Um, it's just been so fun to have you guys in group with us the last couple of years. It's been awesome to watch you grow as friends and grow as young men of God. And um, my wish for you is just that as you head off to middle school that you guys will be the kind of friends um, that you would want to have yourselves and just take good care of each other, that you'll just uh, have each other's backs and um, make middle school an awesome couple of years. See you guys. Hi, this is Claire Leeson. I had a wonderful time this last year with the third to fifth graders. Um, one of my favorite parts of the year was honestly just quarantine. Um, our Zoom meetings bi-weekly with the girls, uh, we had to get creative with uh, how to connect with them. And so they taught us TikTok dances and we played some really silly and interesting games. Um, we just had a really lovely time um, catching up with each other and supporting each other. Um, this next year, as they're starting school, I hope that they'll remember to be kind and gracious to everyone they encounter because we are all just figuring it out. My name is Brooke, and I was a part of the KidsCom small group this year. I have a very fond memory of the girls in our group narrating a Bible story. We were um, upstairs doing the lesson one night, and that was how we had decided to go through the story. So we had read it, and then we assigned parts. And 
from the moment that we began, there was just utter enthusiasm, whether there were they were a sheep or they were Jesus, it didn't matter what the role was. I think this story was the feeding of the 5,000. They were just committed to each role and there was so much laughter and they wanted to do the story twice. And since then, every time we did read a Bible story, then it had to be acted out because that's how fun it was. It was just stellar. So that's a fond memory. And my hope for the fifth graders as they move to youth group is that they keep that spunky confidence they have that just brings everyone around them joy. It's truly contagious. It makes Bible stories fun and it's a gift. So if it hasn't already been made aware, we had an amazing time this year with our kiddos. I swear we learn something new from them every year um, and absolutely love the joy and childlike spirit they share with us. In addition to our fifth graders, we'd like to give a shout out to our eighth graders who are moving on to high school. This includes Audrey Asbjornsson, Addie Johnson, Olivia Jones, Andrew Pickering, Elijah Dordal, and Danny Petsky. We are so proud of you all um, and pray that you lean into who God has created you to be and know that he is ever present and near at all times, even through this uncertainty. Know that he is certain. All of you soon to be sixth graders and now freshmen, uh, you will be receiving a gift this upcoming week from us leaders and staff, so be on the lookout. Love you guys. We invite you to participate in this morning's liturgy by pausing to express thoughts or acknowledge your needs to God after every element of the liturgy. Every element this morning is either a direct quote from the scriptures or has been modified to make the reading corporate in nature. Join us in this call to worship. You, O Holy One, have asked, to whom will you compare me or who is my equal? We lift our eyes to the heavens and see who has created them. You bring about the starry hosts by number and call them each by name. Because of your great might and the strength of your power, not one of them is missing. Do we not know? Have we not heard? You are the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. You do not grow tired or weary. No one can fathom your understanding. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 25, 26, and 28. Now take a moment to express your thoughts of praise and worship. Please join us in this confession and call to renewal. God, may we produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Matthew 3.8 Ask the Spirit to search your heart and reveal any areas of unconfessed sin. Acknowledge these to the Lord and thank God for forgiveness.
May we let our eyes look straight ahead and fix our gaze straight before us. May we ponder the path of our feet so that all our ways will be established. May we not turn to the right or to the left, but keep our feet from evil. Proverbs 4, 25 through 27. Please pray with me. O Lord, we acknowledge that there are different kinds of gifts, but they are given by the same Spirit. And there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of working, but you are the same God who works all of them in all people. But to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 1 Corinthians 12, 4-7 Take a few moments now to intercede on behalf of New Community. We speak in the languages of humans and of angels, but have not love. We are only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If we have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if we deliver, if we have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, we are nothing. And if we give all of our possessions to the poor, and if we deliver our bodies to be burned, but have not love, it profits us nothing. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Take a few moments now to intercede on behalf of your immediate family, your friends, and community. Hi, new community. We have two simple announcements this morning. The first one is simply a reminder of our video service coming up on September 13th. It will be at 10 a.m. and you will be receiving a link through In The Loop. So again, if you've not signed up for In The Loop, make sure to sign up for that. But be looking for that uh, again next Sunday, September 13th at 10 a.m. We'll be doing a video service, which will be fun. For our second announcement, I wanted to remind you all that this fall we are going to be studying the Minor Prophets, and we decided as a community to go through a devotional together for whoever wants to go through one with us. Uh, so if you have not yet purchased your devotional and you want to join in, go to online and purchase the book called From Judgment to Hope by Walter Brueggemann. If you have any questions or if finances are an issue at all, please reach out to us. We would love for anyone who wants to take part in this to do this with us. Thanks, Newcom, and have a great Sunday. Good morning, new community. Before we jump into the start of this new series, just want to welcome you and then want to give you a few updates that I think are um, vitally important. Number one, um, we have been praying as a community for Michelle Estelle. Uh, those of you that do not know, Michelle is an elder in our community, has been for quite a long time, 
and um, just recently uh, suffered uh, brain aneurysm, three of them in fact, and uh, had successful uh, neurosurgery. Uh, the doctors are very pleased with the uh, outcome of the surgery and uh, very hopeful for recovery. Uh, it's a little too early and in the whole process of recovery to know exactly uh, what the impact will be for Michelle. Um, so just continued prayers. Uh, pray for her. Pray for strength and healing. Um, pray that she would be able to rest and fully recover. Uh, we're praying that God would do a miracle and uh, allow her to bounce back and be her energetic and thoughtful self that she is. Um, but also be praying for her family just for uh, this time uh, when there is a lot of uncertainty and unknowns while there's uh, a need for uh, strength and peace instead of worry. Uh, so just continue to pray for Michelle and for healing and pray for her family uh, during this time. Um, two other updates. One particular is um, we mentioned a while back uh, that um, Melanie Scott was stepping down as the youth director at New Community. Um, long story short, uh, felt the need in light of uh, COVID and uh, increasing responsibilities at work for her to shift out of the part-time role at the church and uh, shift back into the business that uh, she and her husband Kyle have together. And um, we mentioned that a while back and asked you to begin to pray that God would uh, fill in that gap on staff and would really provide someone that we think uh, would be so helpful for the development of the youth in our community. And um, God has done just such a thing, and we're really, really excited. Um, Joseph and Nicole Peterson will be moving from Portland to join us. Joseph will be on staff uh, serving part-time in a couple different capacities, but primarily will oversee the youth ministry, will invest in students from 6th grade through 12th grade. And then uh, he's also going to be involved in some uh, formation stuff at New Community, uh, really helping us uh, during this time and beyond uh, to further lean into urban mission, uh, to be people that continue to reach out into the downtown core uh, and is going to be dreaming in that area a little bit. Um, he and his wife are moving and will move over the course of uh, the next several weeks. And uh, we imagine he will be joining staff on October 1st. Um, so we'll give you more details, and it won't be long before he is also on the podcast and uh, can give a little bit of information uh, more about who he is. Um, but we're just uh, thrilled that they're going to come and join us and uh, continue uh, to do ministry, but to do so in this location. So uh, Joseph and Nicole Peterson and their family, um, we are thrilled that they're coming. And uh, you can just be praying for them in their transition and that they would continue uh, to be prepared and uh, ready uh, to jump in with both feet. Uh, we're, we're really excited about this opportunity. Uh, the last little update that I wanted to give is uh, just a special shout out to Julie. Julie Jones, happy birthday. Julie's got a big birthday that she's celebrating 
today, in fact, as you listen to the podcast, uh, today is her birthday. Now, I won't share her age because, you know, I don't, I don't want to do that, but I will just say that it is a very significant, big birthday. Now, some would describe this birthday as kind of like you know, the, the peak of a hill, that this is a monumental moment uh, in her life, a big, big day. Uh, this birthday. So today, um, shoot a Julia text, send her an email, uh, let her know that she is loved. She is an incredible part of our community. Uh, she has had a significant influence on my life. And uh, so I just want to shout out and say happy birthday, Julie. So today we are starting a new series and it is a series on the prophets, specifically looking at the minor prophets. We are calling the series Distant Cousins and Weird Uncles. And the goal is to um, tackle a different prophet each week, to allow the prophets to speak into our life during this unique time. And uh, I know some of you uh, have expressed an interest and excitement in this particular series, and, and maybe you're asking yourself the question, why this series and why now? And I'm not sure if you've noticed, but we are in the midst of a time that is a little bit less than normal. Uh, for some, this has been extremely difficult. Uh, for others, this has been a steady frustration. And this is really unlike anything that most of us have experienced over the course of our lives. And the prophets were written at a time that was quite unique as well. Israel was in and out of chaos. They had seasons of plenty and seasons of famine. They had seasons of great connection to Yahweh and then seasons of deep and tragic disobedience. And I think in uncertain times, what we are looking for are certain truths. We're looking for steps forward, ways to move through the complexity of life. And uh, our hope with this series is to have prophetic voices speak to us, to allow God to take the messages that he gave to the prophets long ago and have those same words speak to us during this particular season. There's a, a term called prophetic imagination, and uh, Walter Brueggemann, talking about prophetic ministry, says this, the task of prophetic ministry is to nurture, nourish, and evoke a consciousness and perception alternative to the consciousness and perception of the dominant culture around us. And that's what we're hoping for. We're hoping that looking into the prophets and allowing them to speak would invoke a consciousness that is different than the dominant culture around us, that we would see the world in which we live through a different set of lenses. And what we want is the ministry and the message of the prophets to keep alive this, uh, for lack of a better term, ministry of imagination. I believe that Prophetic imagination is a vision to see what could be and not just what is. And that's our hope, to see what could be and not just what is. Now, Hosea is our first prophet. 
And uh, hopefully you got a chance to watch the video that was sent out. It's a bit of an overview of the book of Hosea. If you didn't have a chance to watch that, I want to encourage you to pause right now. Call up the email that you got. Hopefully you subscribe to In The Loop. You got an email that was sent out on Wednesday, the 2nd of September. And I want you to take a few minutes to watch it. It is a phenomenal video. It outlines and overviews the book of Hosea. And uh, what you can do right now, put me on pause. I will be here when you get back. Don't worry. Put me on pause. Take a few minutes. Watch the video. And then check back in. So you're back. If uh, if you've already watched it, fantastic. If you just now watched it, um, hopefully you noticed that the book of Hosea is really a book mostly Hebrew poetry. Uh, it's written by a prophet uh, that God spoke to and encouraged him to give a message of judgment and a message of warning. And the unique thing about the prophet Hosea is that he was completely ignored. No one paid attention to the concerns. No one paid attention to his judgments. Um, it would be very similar to us being in today's culture and context and having a prophet give warnings and fears uh, to the Western church and then the church just flat out ignoring the warning, carrying on with life as if it didn't matter, um, not living into any of what was uh, taught or communicated and instead just simply ignoring the word of God. And God wanted to send a message to his people, and so he specifically chose Hosea to send it. And if I'm honest, I think that Hosea got a pretty rough assignment. If you think about it, and you think about his contemporaries, the people that were prophets around the exact same time that he was, um, if you contrast the life of Hosea with those prophets, it's pretty startling. For example, Jonah has the opportunity to witness a whole city return to God. I mean, that is major props on the evangelism tour. This is a guy that probably ended up signing a book deal. Um, this is a big moment. Jonah got to witness a whole city and everyone in the city repent and return to God because of the calling that God put on his life. And Daniel was a man that was given the ability to interpret dreams. And so he marches into a space and time, lives among a group of people, and relays these dreams and explains the visions. And God does unique work in the life of Daniel. You have Ezekiel who sees a whole valley of dead and dry bones, as it's described, come back to life. You have Isaiah, who got to be in the throne room with God. And then you have Hosea. Hosea, who is 
a picture of the relationship between Israel and God, and his life is used as a prophetic symbol. And so what does Hosea get? Hosea gets to marry a prostitute, gets to start a life with her, have kids with her, then have her leave him and whore herself out to numerous men in the city. He then got to save up money to go pay and buy her back from her lovers, take her back into his home, and remain faithful to her. That is quite the contrast in assignments. And so Hosea is this book of warning. It is this message to return. And his life is a prophetic symbol. But I want to say it is not all bleak. It is not all judgment. It's not all dark images in rough tones. It is also filled with bright glimpses and rich promises of these beautiful expressions. In chapter 2, you see um, mercy and restoration and steadfast love. In chapter 6, kind of breaking through these judgments, you see God communicating to his people that he will refresh them. In chapter 13, you see an allusion to the resurrection that Paul ends up quoting in 1 Corinthians 15. And then in chapter 14, you see Jesus communicate to his people that he will come and be like dew to his people, that he will bring refreshment and healing. And so this is a book that has a powerful mix of emotions, of despair, of hope, of frustration, and a wild story of God's love. And it is into this story that we receive our prophetic word for the day. Uh, It's our challenge for this season. And so it's this bright moment in Hosea's message of exhortation. And our particular moment, our particular word is from Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. And it says this, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. I'll read it again, Hosea 10, 12. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Now, the first part of our prophetic word for today really is the phrase, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Now here, we're exhorted to sow to ourselves. It's a bit of a what goes in must come out principle. Uh, That's a universal principle, right? What you put into something or fail to put into something will reveal itself at the end. So our life is really determined by the type of seed that we're sowing, whether it's into our mind or our heart or our life. And Paul makes this reality really clear in Galatians chapter 6. He says this, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit 
will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So the first challenge is to sow in righteousness. And the outcome of sowing in righteousness is to reap in mercy. Now, the definition of mercy really is a compassionate treatment of those in distress. The word mercy in the Hebrew is hesed. In the Old Testament, it's translated as loving kindness, unfailing kindness, steadfast or loyal love, grace, faithfulness, or goodness. It is a word that is most often used to describe God's covenant love for Israel, this steadfast and loyal love. And we are told that if we sow in righteousness, we will reap in mercy. And I think if there was ever a time to sow in righteousness, it is now. Rather than being vengeful, critical, or harsh, we can meet people with kindness and forgiveness. You've probably heard the expression, wounded people wound. There's a good bit of wounding going on. In our culture right now, woundedness is all about us. But I believe that we have an opportunity to have woundedness cease at our doorstep. Right? That we have the opportunity to, to, to cancel out, so to speak. And instead of dousing flames of frustration and criticalness and injury, we can begin to douse culture and communication in interaction with people with mercy. I want to give you a question or two to consider as a small group. And throughout the rest of our um, challenge this morning, I'm going to pause and give these moments for small group discussion. The first would be this. What have you seen recently that proves that this principle is correct? That if you sow in righteousness, you will reap in mercy. What have you seen recently that proves this principle correct? Where have you sowed righteousness that has been met with mercy? And then what was the outcome? Take some time as a small group to interact and discuss and talk about where you've seen sowing in righteousness bring about mercy. Now the prophetic word, the second part of our challenge for this morning is break up your fallow ground. What we are called to by the prophet Hosea, and what I believe we're called to by God, is to break up the fallow ground, the ground that has been compacted and hardened by lack of use, the ground that is overrun with needs, weeds and nettles and thorns. It's ground that's been allowed to lie useless and unproductive, ground that is in many senses, just being wasted. It's land that could have been productive, 
uh, but for whatever reason has not been broken up, has not been tilled or plowed, uh, and in no way has been prepared for planting. And the prophets speak of uh, this word of God commanding people to break up the land, but it's, it's a word picture to say, break up the ground in your heart and in your soul spiritually. It's a call to cultivate an environment for growth, to prepare yourself to have God do a work in you. And see, this message from the prophets was not delivered to other nations. This was not a message that was spoken to those who did not follow Yahweh. This message to break up the fallow ground was directed to the people of God. That means, really, that it was directed to us. In many ways, you can say uh, that there can really be no blessing without effort. There could be no harvest without plowing. Before a thing can be made useful, something has to be broken and cultivated and disrupted. This is that inner work that we've been talking about. We have to be open to the Spirit along with our participation, to break up the soil of our souls. We have to believe that God is at work, and we have to create a space that allows the fruit to come as it follows the plow. Really, that allows the power of God to to come and make itself known in the place that there's been work done, the place that's been disrupted and cultivated A.W. Tozer, in describing kind of this condition, says this, There are two kinds of ground, fallow ground and ground that has been broken up by the plow. The fallow field is smug, contented, protected from the shock of the plow and the agitation of the harrow. Such a field, as it lies year after year, becomes a familiar landmark to the crow and the blue jay. Had it intelligence, it might take a lot of satisfaction in its reputation. It has stability. Nature has adopted it. It can be counted upon to remain always the same, while the fields around it change from brown to green and back to brown again. Safe and undisturbed, it sprawls lazily in the sunshine the picture of sleepy contentment. But it is paying a terrible price for its tranquility. Never does it see the miracle of growth. Never does it feel the motions of mounting life, nor see the wonders of bursting seed, nor the beauty of ripening grain. Fruit it can never know because it is afraid of the plow and the harrow. The man of fallow life is contented with himself and the fruit he once bore. He does not want to be disturbed. He smiles in tolerant superiority at revivals, fastings, self-searchings, and all the travail of fruit-bearing and the anguish of advance. The spirit of adventure is dead within him. He is steady, faithful, always in his accustomed place, conservative, and something of a landmark in the little church. But he is fruitless. The curse of such a life is that it is fixed, both in size 
and in content. To be has taken the place of to become. The worst that can be said of such a man is that he is what he will be. He has fenced himself in, and by the same act, he has fenced out God and the miracle. And those are some sobering words by A.W. Tozer. The worst that can be said is to be instead of to become. To be instead of to become. To fence himself in and by the same act to fence out God and the miracle. So what do you do to break up the fallow ground? I would suggest three things. First, it begins with recognition. I think we have to acknowledge smug contentment or laziness. Begin to recognize if there are areas in our life that we've allowed to lie fallow. The second thing is to follow that recognition with repentance, a true desire for change, to say that we want to change course, change direction, really be different. And then the third thing would be to remain. I think there is this calling in the scriptures to remain, to remain in the vine, to remain in the community or in the family. But I also want to add to remain in the mess. Plowing is messy. Hard work. It's difficult. And I would encourage us to remain, to stick with it, to be about the effort necessary to plow the fallow ground. As a small group, let me encourage you with a few questions for discussion. First, Where in your life have you allowed the land to become fallow? If you're to be honest with yourself, if you're to search your soul a little bit, share with the group, where have you allowed a part of your heart, of your soul, of your life to become dormant? Second question, what would keep you from wanting that to change? What would keep you from wanting to break up the ground, to churn it over? to prepare it for the seed that needs to be planted. What would keep you from wanting that change? And then the third thing, what first step will you take and how can we as a small group assist you? What's going to be your first course of action? How are you going to go about breaking up the ground and how can the group assist you? This all takes us to the third and final prophetic word from Hosea in this particular verse. He says, Seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. So he starts off and says, Seek the Lord. And I think the first question that came to my mind when I heard that is, How long? And the text is really clear. Till he come or till he rain down righteousness upon you. I mean, that's a beautiful picture. And I think we are in this season of time that if I'm honest, I believe that God is wanting to pour new wine into new wineskins. I think God is using this particular time 
to force change to come about. I think we get into these spaces where life becomes routine, where we just kind of go with the flow. Maybe we've allowed ourselves to become lazy or smug or unused or um, not being profitable in any way. Uh, we've become fallow, for lack of a better word. And into those kind of situations, God sometimes moves in a unique way to force change to take place. And what I think God is, is wanting to do is to pour out something fresh on his church. I think he's wanting to pour out something fresh on you and on me. And instead of hearing dreams during this time of new wineskins for the new wine, what I keep hearing is us trying to figure out as a church and as church leaders and uh, other pastors that I've spoken to or other people in other states that we're hearing that God might be up to something new, but what we're trying to do is to keep pouring that new wine into the old wineskins. We want to just say, well, when can we get back to doing things the way we've always done them? When can we get back to the way that it used to be? And, and I kind of wonder if what God is up to is saying, just stop with the, thing, the way things used to be. Let's start to figure out what it looks like. Can we have a prophetic imagination about what it would look like to be doing something new? To have new wine be poured into new wineskins. To imagine that the way we do ministry the way we disciple others, the way we reach our city, the effect that we have on the downtown core, uh, the work that God is doing in our small groups and in our families and in our lives and in our colleges and universities, that that work is a new and a fresh work that he's wanting to do, but he wants to perhaps do it in a new way. And so the forced change should be making us ask, God, what are you up to? How can I be involved in it? What are you asking of me? So instead of like fighting the change, instead of demanding our way or trying to figure out how do we just get back to doing things the way we've always been doing them, I've been amazed at the number of times I've talked with church leaders that are just like sitting on their hands saying, well, man, at some point soon, hopefully we'll be able to get back to just having services on Sunday. That is not the goal of the Christian life, is to have a service on a Sunday. The goal of the church is not just to hand out religious goods and services. The goal of the church is to exemplify the kingdom of God in the city, to be a light and a beacon to people so that they might understand what it means to be known and loved by God. That is part of the calling. And that calling can look wildly and radically different than just having a service on a Sunday at a given time with a given group of people. And while that is an important component to gather together as the church, I think we have to imagine and dream. And maybe the prophet is telling us to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness on us. And it might look different than it's looked before, but that might be a good thing.
The second thing that this challenge reminds me of is that while we're seeking, the text tells us over and over to seek till you find, right? That there's this effort, that there's this energy. And in this particular statement, it is till he comes or till he reigns righteousness. And so I, I think we as a church have to begin, if we have not already, to pray for revival. That's a big word. It's something that maybe you heard a long time ago as you were growing up. It's not something we throw out uh, often. And certainly at New Community, we don't speak in those kinds of terms on a regular basis. But perhaps what this distant cousins and weird uncles and the weirdest of them maybe being Hosea is calling us to is to pray for revival, to desire it, to dream that it would become reality, to ask God to so move in the city of Spokane that hundreds and hundreds of people come to know Jesus, that, that instead of seeing homelessness as a problem, we see homelessness as an opportunity to be with people and to love people. Instead of people outside of our building being, going unnoticed, being not cared for, that there would be people that sit on the corner of 3rd and Howard that are known by name, that are cared for deeply, that there would be a sense of peace and shalom that would come to rest on our city, and that the prayers for revival would continue until the Lord rain righteousness down on us. That, that needs to be our prayer that in the midst of the time and the season in which we now exist, that God would do something fresh and something new that would bring about uh, the wind of his spirit on the city in a way that makes it radically different than before the pandemic started. And so this first calling that we've received is a call to not only break up the fallow ground, to not only prepare ourselves with God, for what God might do, but to seek it, to pray for it, to desire the new and the fresh, and to wonder what that might look like in the here and now. Isaiah 55, I think, gives us a picture of what that might look like. It says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as, high, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be what goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. 
Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. That's our prayer. That is our hope. Let me give you a few questions to discuss as a small group. What is an example of something new you believe God is seeking to do in the city, the church, or the world? What is something that God is up to? Second question, where is God currently at work in your world, in your neighborhood, in your place of employment, in your school? Where is God currently at work in your world, and how might you join him? God's already doing something. You don't have to like come up with a new, uh, an original plan. God's at work. He's on the move. Can you join him? Can you participate? And third, spend some time right now as a group praying for revival. Ask God to rain down righteousness on us. Ask God to do something new and unique at New Community. And then ask God to do something in our city. These are the words of the prophet Hosea for us. God, may your kingdom come and your will be done. Amen. New community, join me in this benediction adapted from the words of Psalm 84, 10 through 12. New community, Better is one day in God's court than thousands elsewhere. May we rather be a doorkeeper in God's house than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For you, Lord God, are a sun and shield. You will give grace and glory, and no good thing do you withhold from those who walk in integrity. So may we be blessed in trusting you. We pray this in the name of our good, good Father. Amen.